0: Hey Church of the Beloved, thanks for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. My name is Kevin Zoe, and I'm the production manager here at COTP. Today's Easter Sunday message is brought to us by our interim senior pastor Abe Lee. He's preaching from 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 9. So um, I'll tell you this, growing up, my mom and my dad, and he's a pastor, they really wanted Easter to be the big day. In our house, I mean, I remember my dad would totally always remind us. You know, Christmas is cool, it's fine, but Easter, Easter is the big show. Easter is a bigger deal. Easter is, you know, how we can even proclaim that we're Christian, because this is the day that we celebrate. This is the day we celebrate that the Son of God, He came back to life. He is risen. Thank you. (laughs) This is the day we, we remember that Christ helped Himself out of the tomb that he had been buried in. He, he presented himself first to two faithful women. He, he presented himself to other disciples, hundreds of other people after that, all before going back to heaven, going back home to prepare our home. This is a day that is so much more essential in many ways to who we are and, and, and why we gather. So for my folks, my parents, Easter's always gonna be the bigger deal. But I'll tell you that it's a hard sell from a cultural perspective. Because, you know, Christmas has presents. Easter just has eggs. Um, And as I said, the kids and the volunteers did an amazing job painting those eggs. Uh, They're in the lobby. They're all around the tables. Uh, Admire them, and then please take them home. Eat them. As long as they're not cracked, they're safe to eat, please. Because if you don't eat them, I have to eat them. And that's just trouble. Um, Like I was saying before, you know, pushing Easter as... A day that's just as, if not, more important than Christmas. From a cultural, from a world perspective, it's it's hard. You know, Santa versus the Easter Bunny. Santa is going to win. Then you throw into the uh, the mix. There are some extreme reactions against Easter and against Christianity in general as well. It, it, it makes it awkward, right? The Easter holiday. Christmas is easier. And I recently saw a meme, and I'll tell you this. I'm going to do a very boomer move by reading a meme to you. I'm not going to show it to you. But uh, I saw this meme, and it basically proclaims this, this, uh, that Christianity is a little weird. It's, it's nonsensical. This is what the meme says. It says, Christianity is the belief that some cosmic Jewish zombie can make you live forever if you symbolically eat his flesh and telepathically tell him you accept him as your master so he can remove an evil force from your soul that is present in humanity because a rib woman was convinced by a talking snake to eat from a magical tree. Makes sense. That's the meme. That's not truth. That's just the meme, all right? Christmas is an easy sell. Christmas... The world can rally around it because, you know, celebrating Christmas is about celebrating a family that was struggling to have a baby in hard times. But Easter, as far as the world is concerned, Easter is about a cosmic Jewish zombie. So convincing people that Easter is a bigger deal is difficult. It's a hard sell. And I'll be very honest with you. I also think that part of the reason Easter can be more difficult for folks to swallow, especially non-Christians, is because of the way the world understands the purpose, the meaning behind Easter, what they focus on. Because non-Christians will look at the Easter story and think, to be totally blunt, and realize that Christians believe that they're going to hell, All right? If this is your first time with us today, um, maybe it's the first time in a long time that you've been in person, you may be a little concerned right now, because you've got this guy up here. Wearing a weird shirt uh, and, you know, Uggs. Yes, men can wear Uggs. Uh, And being concerned because, I mean, this guy is talking about cosmic zombies, uh, talking snakes and going to hell. I I, I promise you, it's going to be okay. There's a reason I'm mentioning all this. Because what I want to do today is this. What I want to do today, I want to explain. And for some of you, it may be the very first time hearing it. For some of you, it may be a good reminder. But I want to explain what Christianity really is about. Because Christianity isn't just about sending people to hell. It's actually, no, it's about giving people, and as Sarah so beautifully read, it's about giving people a hope, a living hope. That's what Christianity is about. Christianity is so much more. It's not not believing in a cosmic Jewish zombie that can make us live forever. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity, Peter wrote about it, Sarah read it, and I want to repeat it. It says in the passage today, verse 3, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. So we're going to spend a minute considering what it is Christians claim to. What is this hope that we're talking about? Then we'll spend a moment uh, looking at the rest of the passage. Uh, I'm going to go further beyond the reading today. Understand how you and I, we can together, for those who have this hope, how we can hold on to it, how Peter suggests we cling to it. Anyway, that's the plan. But before we get into it, uh, I I have to ask for your indulgence, because I really do, I believe, need to clarify that the meme I mentioned, like I said earlier, is funny, but it's wrong. And I do not want you all leaving here just remembering that without me spending at least a moment correcting some of it, right? Because that, like the last part of that meme, the whole thing is wrong, but let me just focus on the last part of that for just a second. It says that we can remove an evil force from your soul that's present in humanity because a rib woman was convinced by a talking snake to eat from a magical tree. It's all wrong, but I don't want to, I want to say that statements like this are often made because... A lot of people believe that there's this insurmountable divide between science and faith, and I'm telling you, there isn't. That, that a thinking person cannot possibly believe in the stories of the Bible because they're ridiculous. That's, that's, that's the mindset, and I'm, it's, it's wrong. You know, because oftentimes they will think, according to Genesis, God made Adam fall into a deep sleep. He took out one of his ribs, created Eve, and created a rib woman. And then later on, a serpent speaks to them to convince them to eat from the tree of life, a magical tree. I get it. It does sound fantastical, very Harry Potter-esque. But if you've been with us for a bit, you'll have heard me make this comment before. The Bible was written to us, wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. So our responsibility is to consider first who the Bible was written to, so that we can fully appreciate and comprehend what it is the Bible was saying then to understand what it's saying now as well. So if we consider, you know, the first five books of the Bible, which is where that story comes from, Genesis through Deuteronomy, they were written by Moses. They were written by Moses to help the Jews understand their origin story, right? Their their start as a holy nation set apart by God for God. Now they've been enslaved for hundreds hundreds of years, centuries under Egyptian rule. And while under Egyptian bondage, the Jews had been bombarded with a culture that was basically the entire, the exact opposite of what God had designed. Now, for example, the Egyptian culture, what they understood is that the idea of a single God was just not, no, it's just weird. God That that just didn't fly with the Egyptians, but that's it for God. So the first five books, you know, it includes a creation story about Adam and Eve, the story about the servant. All these stories must be read with this mindset. It cannot be read with our mindset, with our modern, with our technology-driven assumptions at all. Then we can understand what it was intended to say. And we also need to take into consideration as well translation because unfortunately sometimes things do get lost in translation. So with those two caveats in mind, I want to read to you from Genesis chapter 2 verse 22, which is where that passage comes from. It says, and the rib that the Lord had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. That's the the, uh, rib woman that the meme was talking about. The only thing is this, in the original Hebrew, the word that's translated into English as rib, if you look in the rest of Genesis, you'll see that it's actually translated into the word side, like the side of other side of a building or the opposite and equal side of an altar. And or as Moses actually uses the word elsewhere, the equal side of the Ark of the Covenant. So I think a more accurate reading of that verse, if you look at it, is that God created Eve as the equal half, the other side of Adam, like the parallel sides of the Ark of the Covenant. God created Eve as God created Adam to be equal to Adam, together made one whole. She was the other side of him. And when you read this passage through the eyes of the intended reader, who as they would have understood it, it points out, out this reality of what Moses was communicating, that Eve was Adam's missing half, equal partner in the creation story, not a rib woman. Then you go to the reference about the talking snake, and I, I don't know if you've ever read or seen the movie The Jungle Book, uh, but this, you know, this image that I get conjured up in my head all the time is Ka, the talking python. Uh, there's a lot of th- things to consider, um, and I'm realizing I don't have time to go into it, and I shouldn't. Um, the creation story in general, there's a lot of things, that the nuances that I'm not going to get into today. And I will mention this. I'll make a plug out. We have an adult Sunday school that meets every other week. Uh, there's one next week. And, I, and if I'm not mistaken, I can't see you Katz. So if I'm wrong, tell me, correct me. I believe next week is all about creation. Um, I think she said yes. But anyway, this is, this is your chance to dive deeper into the details uh, that we can't get into during this service. It's a great class. It's taught really well. I've gotten a chance to see it from outside. Um, so if you have time, please join us next week. Uh, we'll dive deeper into that. You can talk to Kotz or Kevin or Mike. And if you don't know who they are, talk to me. We'll give you more details about it. Just, you just have to show up. Um, but I will say this one thing about the talking snake just before we leave this. Um, the original Hebrew word for this word uh, that's translated to serpent is a lot more complex than just simply snake. Again, something gets lost in translation. The Hebrew word is nakash. And nakhash it has a lot of depth to it. Nakhash is a noun and a verb and an adjective. So in English, if you think about it, uh, there's a word like, the word right has those attributes. You can, you can say, uh, it's my right that becomes a noun. It's, it, 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 the ship will right itself. It becomes a verb. She's the right woman for the job. It becomes an adjective. So there's nuances to it. Nakhash, which translates to serpent as a noun, it also means divine as a verb or shiny as an adjective. So Moses was intentionally using this complex word, representing a shiny, serpentine-type creature, a diviner of things. So so this entity being referenced here, if you consider the entirety of the Bible, because we see the serpent again in Revelation, if you consider the intended audience, if you consider the language being used, and look at the whole book, the entity that I I think is being referenced here is a serpentine, shiny, divine, angelic being that represents evil. In our minds, we see Ka, the python from the Jungle Book, but what it is, which is not outside the realm of possibility. It's not like God couldn't make a snake talk or whatever, but I think that the original language, it plants a different image in our heads. One of a divine being. Evil one. We often call Satan. Unfortunately, the best translation we could come up with in English was talking snake. So, anyway, I've spent way too much time about this meme. I just read the meme. I was just uh, it was amusing. I couldn't get it out of my mind, so I included it today. But I want to get back to today's message. And I want to talk about hope. And I, I think that we all can agree, hope hope is a good thing. Hope is essential. I heard this story uh, being told by a Holocaust survivor. He's a Jewish man who survived Hitler's concentration camp, his, the Holocaust against, Holocaust against Jews and other undesirables. He, he told a story that I, I found extremely fascinating. He, he talked about how he saw people lose hope, which, you know, really, if you think about it, it's not surprising, but, but he, what he saw when there was no truly no hope from the freedom of, from pain or torture that the Nazis were inflicting, when, when a person had totally lost hope, everything stopped. Those who truly lost hope, they lost all will to even they they stopped moving they stopped eating they just took the beatings with no reaction because they had already died in spirit and their body just had to catch up hope is essential hope in something is absolutely a necessity so peter writes about a hope offered to those who love and who live in christ A hope in a future with our Father, with His Son, with the Holy Spirit. And and this hope is absolutely available to anyone and everyone as a gift, as a gift from God. And and this hope, this living hope is different from anything that you could possibly find anywhere in this universe because it's special. I want to read to you again from uh, verse 3. It says, according to, to His great mercy... He has caused us to be born again, born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And the the very first truth that I want to point out that Peter makes here is that this hope in Jesus, it makes us new. He has caused us to be born again. This hope changes us. Being being born again, it means that that who we were is no longer who we are, right? It it means that we are no longer refugees in a foreign country. We are citizens in a new, perfect, upside-down Kingdom, that's, that's what we have hope in. We, we have hope that, that we're going to go home one day to a better place. A place where there's no more war, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more trauma, no more drama. That's the hope. The other thing that we see, the second thing in this verse is that there is, is this living hope, by the way. A hope that's growing constantly, that is available to us is that this living hope is different from any other kind of hope. See, if you look it up in, uh, in Google and say hope defined or definition, it, it says this: a feeling of expectation and, and a desire for a certain thing to happen. Hope is a feeling or a desire or a dream a yearning. Hope, by definition, is not guaranteed. Hope is a gamble. But the living hope of God is the opposite. It's so much more—the living hope of God that we are born again into. It is. It's not a feeling. It's not a desire. Desire. It's a certainty. It is inevitable. It's assured. It is ordained because it's already, but not yet. Let me explain something. The phrase "already but not yet" is Christianese. is a shorthand that Christians often use to explain uh, a tension that Christians live with. Now, I'm going to be jumping around uh, the Bible for a second here, but. Uh, we are already adopted in Jesus. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Allah Father. So we are already adopted in Christ, but at the same time, we're not yet adopted. Romans 8:23, later on in that chapter, it says we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. We're also already redeemed in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood. We're already redeemed, but yet at the same time, we are not yet redeemed. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says, And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day redemption is coming already but not yet uh we are already sanctified in christ in first corinthians chapter 1 verse 2 it says to those sanctified in christ jesus we're already sanctified but at the same time we are not yet sanctified in first thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 it says now may the god of peace himself sanctify you completely To those who have faith in Christ, those who believe that Jesus is the only way, truth, and the life, we do have, we will have all the blessings, all the promises that God gives to us. Eternity, in perfection, with our King. But the full realization of this hasn't happened yet. Already, but not yet. We have faith. We have a living hope in an assurance of the future and the conviction of things not yet seen. Christians live in the midst of this tension of the already, but not yet. We, by faith, have a living hope in the future promises of Christ and of heaven. But it's based on an assurance of what will come, not what might. So this hope... First, it makes us new. Second, this hope isn't a feeling, it's a fact. It's not an aspiration. It is absolutely assured. And this living hope in a future glory its not by anything I have done, not by anything you can do. It's all because of what Jesus already did. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the re- resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, the living hope we have available to us is based on The redemptive act of our Savior, the one that we remember on this Easter Sunday. It's because Christ died for us and then resurrected for us. For those of you who have been Christian for a little while, maybe you became Christian earlier, you may have been asked to be able to share the gospel in 30 seconds or less, right? Um, Basically create an elevator pitch for Jesus it's a tough request, I think, personally, because there are nuances to faith, there's, there's aspects to this good news, there's personal context and implications. A blunt, generic, formulaic response or statement regarding what it is we believe might not always do this truth and its impact on you justice. But we try. We try because it's good news and we want to share it. I'll tell you this. If you're joining us today as a favor to some family friend, member or friend, thank you again for joining us. Hang out with us for lunch. We'd love to get to know you. But if you're joining us today, maybe you're not familiar with this story that we're talking about. Or you, you don't have this living hope that we're discussing. I want to share with you my quick elevator pitch for Jesus, just really quickly. It says, because the way I've always viewed it in my head is this. God created everything, right? He created, uh, he made everything, and when he made it, He created it as good, perfect. Unfortunately, when humans came into the picture, they started to take all the stuff that God created for good and started twisting it to something evil, which we're really good at doing it. You know, like sex. Sex is beautiful. It's a wonderful thing. It's good, intended for a husband and wife, but we've twisted it. Food. Food is wonderful. It's intended for good, but our obsession with it, sometimes, results in us twisting it. Technology. Technology is actually a good thing. It's intended to make our lives a little easier, but sometimes we become slaves to it instead of the other way around, and so we end up twisting it. We take the stuff God created for good and we twist it around. But God's desire is for everything to go back to. Its orig- Even us humans is to go back to what it was. Good. The only thing is there's a cost. There's a cost associated with going back to good. And as the saying goes, you have to break a few eggs to make an omelet, right? So for things to be set right, someone had to pay. Pay for all the ways it had gone wrong. And the result of our twisting away from God is a total separation from Him and His perfect kingdom. So the only reparation available, the only redemption possible required somebody to... Die. That's what Jesus did. He took on that reparation, that sin, that debt with his life. But the reason we celebrate today isn't because he died. It's because he came back. But he didn't come back as a cosmic Jewish zombie. No, he came back as the perfect resurrected son of God. And by dying in our place, he removed that burden from us if we accept the gift. And by coming back We're never going to die again. Eternally, God, Christ is both man and God. At the same time, Jesus has now, because of this resurrection, removed the need and the possibility that we will ever have to pay that price. And this is the story that Peter's telling them. When he writes, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And if you want to learn more, please talk to the person you're here with. If you don't know more about this or want to talk to me about it, that's fine. Email me. Because here's the thing. The everlasting, ever-increasing joy of Jesus, this living hope that's available to everyone, is available to everyone. Because this hope makes us new. This hope is not aspirational. And this hope is not by anything you or I have done. It's all because of what Jesus already did. This is the hope that Christians cling to. This is the hope that is available to you if you haven't already claimed it as your own. Um, That's the first part of it. That's the first half. Don't worry. We're we're not going to be up here much longer. But I want to just tell you quickly, my wife and I, we can't have kids. Uh, Some of you know that. We made a decision also after a lot of thinking and praying about it that adoption wasn't the right path for us either. I mention this because when we first got married, we had this dream. We wanted at least a few kids. We wanted to raise them well. We wanted to love them. We even bought the house that we have in San Francisco. It's a big house, five bedrooms. We really wanted to have kids stay there, um, raise them. And to be honest, I had a dream that one day maybe I could have a daughter. um, Walk her down the aisle. And Suzanne and I, we just watched a movie. It's called CODA. Child of Deaf Adults. If you haven't seen it and you're going to watch it, have a box of tissues ready. Um, Because for me, there's this one scene there where the dad, who is deaf, desperately wants to hear his daughter, who isn't deaf, and just learn how to sing. He wants to experience her singing. And in this scene, he, he puts his hands on her throat, and he's struggling to feel her voice, to feel her joy. And I was watching that, and that intense connection between the father and daughter, for some reason, it reminded me of what I would never have. A daughter that I could give everything to, to love and to encourage, to cherish. I had to let that hope go. Trust me, I'm okay. I I have Suzette. That's more than enough. She's more than enough for me. But I wanted to share that story because here's the thing. This living hope that God promises us isn't just about making us new. It's not about uh, being guaranteed or about being a gift because of what Christ had already done. See, Peter also shares that this living hope, it kills the most common destroyers of hope. Death, sin, and time. So the passage today it says, according to this great, to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, that is undefiled, that is unfading. Oftentimes we lose hope when something or someone dies. But God's living hope is imperishable. Oftentimes we lose hope when we make a mistake when we sin. Something dirty or broken comes into our lives. But God's living hope is undefiled and perfect. Sometimes you lose hope like I did or I could have because we, time passes and it's just not going to happen. God's living hope is eternal and unfading. See, for me personally, I, my, the hope that I had one day to have a daughter really didn't die. That hope was replaced. It was replaced by a living and assured hope in this new family that I have, that God's given me here. A hope that's imperishable, that's undefiled, and unfading. I want to talk about the second half I mentioned, which is how we hold on to this hope. And I'll be honest, as I was reading through this letter from Peter, it dawned on me that maybe the best way to share his advice. Peter's advice is just to share Peter's advice. Because back in the day, uh, a letter would be received by a church and the congregation would just gather around uh, and hear the letter read to them so that everyone could be blessed together. So that's what I want to do. Just for the last five, 10 minutes or so, I'm just going to read to you part of this letter that Peter wrote to the Christians around the world. I'm going to read it to you from a version called um, the Passion Translation. And just for effect, I'm actually going to sit and do this. And I'm going to ask Isaac. Lights, please. Okay, we didn't practice as much as we wanted to. Oh, hey, something's happening. Awesome. Awesome. From Peter, an apostle of Jesus, the anointed one, to the chosen ones who have been scattered like seed into the nations living as refugees in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, and throughout the Roman provinces of Asia and Bithynia, and to us in Chicago. You, you're not forgotten. For you have been chosen and destined by Father God. The Holy Spirit has set you apart to be God's holy ones, obedient followers of Jesus Christ, who have been gloriously sprinkled with his blood. May God's delightful grace and peace cascade over you many times over. I celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has shown us his extravagant mercy for his fountain of mercy has given us a new life. We are reborn to experience a living energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We are reborn into a perfect inheritance that can never perish, never be defiled, and never diminish. It's it's promised and preserved forever in the heavenly realm for you. Through our faith, the mighty power of God constantly guards us until our full salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. May the thought of this cause you to jump for joy. Even though lately you've had to put up with the grief of many trials, but these only reveal the sterling core of your faith, which is far more valuable than gold that perishes, for even gold is refined by fire. Your authentic faith will result in even more praise, even more glory, and even more honor when Jesus the anointed is revealed. You love him passionately, although you've not seen him. But through believing in him you you are saturated with an ecstatic joy indescribably sublime and immersed in glory for you are reaping the harvest of your faith the full salvation promised you your soul's victory and salvation was the focus of the prophets who prophesied of this outpouring of grace that was destined for you. They made a careful search and investigation of the meaning of their God-given prophecies as, as they probed into the mysteries of who would fulfill them and the time period when it would all take place. See, The spirit of the anointed one was in them and was pointing prophetically to the sufferings that Christ was destined to suffer and, and the glories that would be released afterward. God revealed to the prophets that their ministry was not for their own behalf or benefit, but for yours. And now, now you've heard these things from the evangelists who preach the gospel to you through the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, the gospel containing wonderful mysteries that even the angels long to get a glimpse of. So then, prepare your hearts and your minds for action. Stay alert. Fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. For when Jesus Christ is unveiled, a greater measure of grace will be released to you. See, as God's obedient children, never again shape your lives by the desires that you followed when you didn't know better. Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. For Scripture says, you're to be holy like I'm holy because I am holy. Since you call on him as your heavenly father, the impartial judge who judges according to one's works, live each day, live each day with holy awe and reverence throughout your time on earth. For you know, your lives were ransomed once and for all from the empty and futile way of life, handed down from generations. Generation. It was it was not a ransom payment of silver and gold, which eventually perishes, but it was the precious blood of Christ, who, like a spotless, unblemished lamb, was sacrificed for us. This was part of God's plan. For he was chosen, he was destined for this before the foundation of the earth was laid. But he has been made manifest in these last days. For you it is through him that you now believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that you would fasten your faith and hope in God alone now because of your obedience to this truth you have purified your very souls and this empowers you to be full of love for your fellow believers So, so, express this sincere love toward one another passionately and with a pure heart. For though the eternal and living word of God, through the eternal and living word of God, you have been born again. And this seed that he planted within you can never be destroyed. But the seed will live and grow inside you forever. For, quote, human beings are frail and temporary like grass and the glory of man fleeting like blossoms of the field. The grass withers and dries, and the flowers fall off. But the word of the Lord, that endures forever. And this is the word that has been announced to you. So please, abandon every form of evil, every form of deceit, hypocrisy, feelings of jealousy, slander. See, in the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, you, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word for this, for this milk will cause you to grow into maturity, fully nourished and strong for life, especially now that you have had a taste of the goodness of Yahweh, especially now that you have experienced his kindness. So keep coming to him who is the living stone. Though he was rejected and discarded by men, but chosen by God, he is priceless in God's sight. So come and be his living stones who are constantly and continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. That was part of the letter that Peter wrote. that was meant for us too. See, we have available to us a living hope that makes us new, that makes us born again. Every one of us has access to this living hope. It's a living hope that's not aspirational. It is absolutely assured. And this hope is being offered to you, not by anything you've done or I've done, all because of what Jesus already did. And it's a hope that nothing can destroy, absolutely nothing, not death, not sin, not time. And it's a hope you have never claimed, if this, if, if this is a hope you've never claimed as your own and you want to do that today, awesome. I'm going to ask you while we're praying, pray with me, wherever you are, online or here in person. And then don't stop there. Tell me or tell somebody about it. As the band comes up, if this is a hope that you maybe clung to at one point in your life, I, and, 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 and it's, you've lost sight of it, I really hope Peter's words encourage you to be holy because our Savior is holy. I hope that these words remind you, bring you to a realization that that the plan to bring you back into the family of God, it was laid out before time began. And that everything that you're going through, whether it's difficult times or joyful times, that was part and is part of that plan. And ultimately, God's got you. He's just waiting. Thanks for tuning in to this week's COTV Sermon Podcast. For more info or to connect with us, you can visit us online at cotb.life. God bless and have a great week.